Greetings, outcasts, freethinkers, narrative questioners, dot connectors, and genuinely open-minded and outright curious inhabitants of whatever realm we exist in at the moment. You are about to embark on another free first hour episode of The Notes. If you find yourself wanting to dig deeper and have the desire to join the conversation during our monthly Melt meetups, you might want to consider becoming a monthly subscriber. For as little as three lousy Babylon hokey pokey tokens per month, you can have access to full-length, early, and exclusive episodes. Just visit patreon.com slash themeltpodcast or click the link in the episode notes to set the process in motion. It's simple, painless, and very well might make you feel tingly inside. So without further ado, please enjoy the show! This is Hunter Muse. And this is Chris Snipes. And you are listening to The Melt. Sometimes the mere mention of Jesus Christ or Christianity can cause some people to uncomfortably stare at the floor or elicit a derisive reaction. Many people have long since replaced old-time religion with atheism and scientism, the new religions of our time, if you ask me. Spiritualism of any form has been shoved out of the conversation to make way for only subjects that can be proven by experts or measured and repeated. Truthfully, I straddle the line between the extremes. But this just doesn't apply to Christianity, but all organized religions that seem to be mainly focused on some variety of deity worship. That being said, I'm not trying to imply that a god or gods or goddesses don't exist. I'm more saying that I don't think that the point to life is to spend it worshiping them. Perhaps we could spend it celebrating and enjoying their creations, huh? And throughout history, humans have been anthropomorphizing their deities to suit their needs, often giving them the characteristics of spoiled children rather than unfathomably omniscient beings that exist far beyond our comprehension. But although I personally do not align myself with Christianity, I can certainly appreciate its teachings. Anyway, we're not here to construct an echo chamber. We're here to have conversations with intelligent and interesting folks and to build bridges. Today's guest, Marty Leeds, is a numerology and gematria researcher, author, and musician, and has recently started his own church called the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. 
I start off the conversation by asking him about his origin story. My origin story? <laughs> um, I was cesarean and my mom was in labor for... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, we could start there. <laughs> Wherever you want to start, There was a right? lost year or two between then and now. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, I basically just you know grew up as like a rambunctious, sort of iconoclastic, rebellious kid. And said, you know, didn't want to take anybody's, um, I don't know, anybody's uh, opinions and thoughts on things. I always just kind of wanted to figure it out myself. And so that eventually led to theology, which led to writing books on it, basically. And um, I've been doing, essentially writing on the mysticism and esoterica and symbolism and mathematics and that sort of thing for, I don't know, a decade plus now. And that's led into running a church now as well. So it's been a, quite a journey. Fantastic. Well, tell us, for those who have not heard about that, tell us about your church and what it is that you set out to do there. Oh, um, well, the tradition really that I come from is like a, is, I mean, basically you say like it's a Gnostic tradition, but it's really just like sort of focusing on the mystery schools, like occultism and symbolism and comparative mythology. And there's a whole, like, I mean, there's basically, I mean, there's just volumes of literature on that stuff. That's really based in um, a tradition of esotericists, like theosophists and seekers and that sort of thing. So I dove headfirst into that tradition for a long time, probably starting at maybe 28 years old and eventually led to, really focusing on the Bible specifically because it was, uh, there was, I mean, when you read a lot of the esoteric authors, that's what you'll end up, you know, they'll, they'll usually lead to Christ. Most of them. Sure. So, and that's what it did for me. So um, yeah. And so I, I basically was like, okay, well, I'm going to start teaching the Bible, you know, basically doing Bible study. Not only that, just studying religious ideas and and spiritual topics and that sort of thing. But of course, focused around the, um, the Bible after writing um, the, the last book I wrote called Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's all kind of culminated to that and to that. Yeah. Do you pretty much stick to the canonical Bible or you, do you deal with what people have called the lost books or the Nag Hammadi library, any of that extraneous stuff? I really don't. Um, I kind of stay away from it. Not, um, I'm not dogmatic about any of that or anything, but uh, I just don't focus on it. I'm, I'm actually, I have a, a strong um, reverence for, or like, um, I don't know what I'm saying. There's like a, a, there's a magnetism to the the authorized King James that I've had for a very long time. There's lots of reasons why I focus on that book. In fact, I have a chapter in my last book specifically about why, um, but that's a whole discussion in and of itself. But I basically focus on that. Um, I think it's a genius piece of literature beyond even just being uh, a Christian now, you know, a Gnostic Christian now. Before I became that, that was really the conclusion that I came to is I sort of analyzed that book in just sort of a way that um, anybody that's, you know, read classic works of literature and has been a sort of literary hound many years would look at a piece of literature and say, why is this thing awesome? You know, what makes this book awesome? And the Bible is a masterpiece of literature. It is. And that's my take. So now, now it's down to, okay, let's go into it and actually, you know, read through the books and the chapters and the verses and, and try to really make sense of it. Mm -hmm. 
So do you, I mean, a lot of people relate to those extraneous books of the Bible um, that were found uh, not too long ago, actually, uh, to Gnosticism in the sense that they have to do more with uh, a direct relationship to the divine as opposed to, you know, for instance, going through organized religion in the sense of, you know, looking to your preacher as the conduit between you and God, for instance, Um have you read those things and you just don't find a whole lot in them that you feel needs to be emphasized or or it's just you want to focus on the main? Uh, yeah, uh, this is an interesting thing because I just don't really see in my own like take, I guess. I just don't necessarily connect those books to Gnosticism, meaning okay. the Gnosticism is just like an approach or methodology to me. Mm-hmm. And it's basically just like you know, going in without some overarching authority, like you were saying, like you you don't need the intermediary of the church yeah. and going into any subject and any, any study. And of course, one of those things would be the Holy Bible. You know, you would, you would take a Gnostic approach reading any of those other texts as well. I just don't see them, at least from my own viewpoint as necessarily linked or tied to specifically to Gnosticism, you know? Sure. Sure. So, uh, yeah, like I'm not, I don't like shy away from them. I'm just, like I said, I'm just so kind of enamored with the King James. Um, I just think it's, a, like I said, a masterpiece of literature. So that's what I focus on. But I mean, we also, and I also, <clears throat> I mean, I have the Vedas, I have the Poetic Eddas, I have the Quran, I have the Mahabharata. You know, we have all these other texts that uh, I draw from as well. So I just basically understand. Um, what we could call the Prisca Theologia or the universal mystery religion through Christianity. And that's been a long, uh, a, an approach that uh, Gnostics have taken for a very long time. Understanding the mysteries through the Christian tradition, through the, sure. um, the authority of the Bible, you know, that's that. Well, and, there, and there's also something that's always fascinated me about Gnosticism proper uh, bef- uh, up until this point is the whole cosmology involving Sophia and the Archons and the Demiurge and stuff like that. But how much do those those, do those things really have a role in the Bible proper at all? Or are those, I, I'm, I was always confused as to how those related to Christianity or whether they were something in and of themselves. Well, this is actually, I actually just touched on this point in the last live stream I did was that once again, when I when I look at Gnosticism, not, not, I define Gnosticism, um, and I actually just read from this book, William Kingsland, really great book about Gnosis and the um, mysticism of the Christian scriptures. Um, but basically looking at Gnosticism, that it's not tied to any sort of particular dogma that Gnostic sects may or may have had in the past, meaning that some Gnostics in the past have you know believed in archons and a demiurge and had this general theme that matters evil, but that's not necessarily you know you know specifically dogmatically tied to gnosticism so i don't take any of that approach at all to me gnosticism is just knowledge of spiritual mysteries so really gnosticism is essentially tied to what you would say is the mystical uh tradition of the the mystery school tradition really and it's that tradition of like you know that there's essentially a holy science behind this thing and it's understood symbolically and it's understood um man can have that direct experience, a direct relationship with God. And that's really what it's all about. So, um, so yeah, I don't teach Demiurge or, you know, matters evil or Sophia, <laughs> that kind of thing at all. Yeah. Um, 
So, but that's the, I mean, that's the, that's the interesting thing about the mystical traditions or the esoteric traditions is because you have so many, because it doesn't have this sort of, you know, the churches themselves, they have this definitive structure, which is good in one sense, but at the same time, the biggest problem with that is it becomes very insular and it becomes very, um, hierarchical where where you can't let new information in or out right the tradition of like gnosticism theosophy esotericism everything from the freemasons the knights templar all the all the fraternal orders that focused on occultic symbolic information there there it, there's a there's a loose foundation because the whole point of it is that is that there's a freedom to it meaning that you're not tied to anything so you'll get all sorts of people going into that tradition with all sorts of definitions and understandings of things so you will have gnostics that believe this world is created by an evil force and you know that sort of thing but yeah, it's yeah. not necessarily specifically tied to quote-unquote gnosticism you know what i mean sure yeah i mean there's sects of christianity i suppose too that think that anything tied to matter is evil or or tainted or sinful and they deny the worldly pleasures and are basically just around to get to the afterlife yeah, it's interesting because I get, you know, I teach that, you know, the God is ever present. And so if God is ever present and with us all the time, then the idea that this would be some sort of demonic creation or, you know what I mean? It just seems completely obtuse, right? You know? Yeah. And so, uh, right. You know, that's, that's kind of my thing. So, um, Anyway. Yeah, I know. I totally agree. It's like if God gave us these bodies and this realm, uh, wouldn't this omnipotent, omnipresent being want us to revel in that as much as possible and enjoy it and cherish it and, and you know, try to experience it as much as we possibly could, obviously within reason and not, you know, at the expense of somebody else's free will or pleasure or well-being but yeah i i just i never understood the denying of of that you know see does it make any sense well it's funny too because gnostics get leveled with the idea that oh you guys are you believe matters evil and it's a demiurge but then a lot of how you see the contemporary sort of fundamentalist literalist christians how they act you know uh is in accord with that because mm -hmm. they're like oh this world has fallen and yeah. every step was cursed that adam took and you know, and that sort of thing. And it's just like, well, now you're, it's, it, be, it almost becomes this sort of, you know, almost on par with like a new age kind of thing where it's like, there's a denial of the material world. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And so all of those, all of those, all of those areas to me um, are like dangerous when you sink your um, feet in them, like you're, you're tied to those ideas. So, um, which, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's weird because the, um, the whole point is with a, a the esoteric approach, the mystical approach is that basically is to recognize God within all things, which means, you know, this ever presence of God, which is the really a transcendent experience, you know, but the um, what's what's behind that, at least what the old masters have said, is that there's a freaking science to it. You know, that there, this the, these notions are actually based on things that God has placed within the creation and that gets into all the stuff we talk about on the, you know, in the church service and in the books and stuff like that, you know, all the mathematics and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, well, and you also, um, approach a lot of this with uh, a template of numerology and numbers and gematria too, which would lend itself to, 
it being a very, you know, a very, um, what's the word I'm looking for, intentional sort of existence. There's a, there's a rhyme and a reason to it, and, and there's a provable rhyme and reason to it. The, these things recur constantly in nature. Well, that was my, uh, my trajectory or course, right? It was basically, you know, saying I grew up sort of this sort of uh, rebellious kind of kid or whatever. And I was always like, okay, well, if God exists, then I'm not going to go through some medium or intermediary or some piece, or, you know, a, a, a priest or pastor or whatever to get to that. I want to say if God is real, then he should be, he should be provable. And I should be able to experience myself. That was like, those were some of the key tenets or like, you know, um, uh, notions when I first got into like asking questions about whether there was a God or not. I was like, okay, well, if there is, well, then it has to fit. This God has to fit those two criteria, meaning I have to have personal experience with it and it has to be provable. And so that's what my whole quest was. And for me, it, I mean, you know, whatever, I mean, for me, it's, you know, that's been done. I mean, I've had an experience with God and it's, and I feel like it's provable, you know, um, and that's what I tried to do anyway, is explain that, you know. So why do you think that this realm and not to mention this realm, but the Bible of its in and of itself is so encoded with numbers? Well, that's huge it's it's like i don't even know where to start there because (laughs) numbers are the super net well let's start here okay numbers are a language in and of themselves and they're the language of the creation and that language actually has an alphabet okay and Mm -hmm. we understand that alphabet as zero one two three four five six seven eight nine and with those 10 numbers you can make that's those like literal literally like uh numeric letters of an alphabet a numeric alphabet right and with those numbers you can make any other numeric word in creation doesn't matter how big you know you want to make the number one two three four you use you know you use those 10 digits so those were called the 10 emanations of god Mm -hmm. though that's that's what they are so in kabbalistic literature which that usually has this um people immediately assume that that's just jewish but that's a whole different discussion but it's this notion that the creation itself was created from these 10 principles. So these are, th- so these 10 principles are being the numbers zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Um, they have, once again, they, uh, qualities and attributes to them. They interact with one another in, in interesting ways. They've been put right in front of us, this sort of thing. So when you see like these ancient mystery schools, and this is really where the, the trip, the, uh, mystical tradition comes in. A lot of the mystery schools, whether it's Eleusinian or Pythagorean, of course, Egyptian, of course, they were all focused on um, the the math, the math, you know, ge- understanding geometry and number, uh-huh. um, and but not just understanding that number symbolism, because what you were actually studying was the emanations of God, the principles of God. <clears throat> so now, my there's lots of people that say math. And, you know, university after university, but they they do not study math in this sort of capacity in this way, right? Because really what you're doing is a deeply esoteric study of mathematics, recognizing that, you know, it's, you know, in the sense it is a design, mathematics itself is a language of a creator. So um, now when you get into the encoding of the Bible, why they encode this stuff in there is because they're transmitting higher levels of information, just period. 
um, the, the, you know, the numbers themselves are supernatural. They are, they're at, they're part of nature that we use them all the time in the building of the building I'm in and this computer that we're on. And, you know, our, our hands are even digitized in the sense they're, yeah, yeah. you know, they're, they're segmented, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, uh, so we use it, you know, we use it all the time and, you know, it's just this uh, notion of going in and, and learning this. And, um, so this is why they go to this stuff, but it's, they're supernatural. They're, they're incorruptible principles. They're available everywhere. You know, they're universal, meaning that no, it doesn't matter what, you know, who you are, where you come from, what language you speak, what religion you are, what skin color you are, there will be the same, you know, so ancient masters or whatever recognized it for what it is mathematics that it, that mm-hmm. is you yeah. know so um but yeah problem is is i'm sorry i don't mean to rant but no the problem please is, do. Is right now with uh, so many like gematria people what you have is and i've said that this was going to be a problem early on very early on but you have a lot of people just going into a calculator online and banging a bunch of number or you know letters in mm-hmm. and getting some value or something and before you even get to gematria at all like you need to understand the basics and the foundation and that's really getting into getting into study basic studies of geometry once again number symbolism the qualities of numbers um, that sort of understanding the properties, really getting to, you know, um, and then you can get into it, a study like Amatria. Mm-hmm. But, and so what is, where does sacred geometry fit in with all that? Well, the adjective sacred is just the recognition of what I just said, really. Gotcha. The whole you know, geometry is, uh, yeah, right. That it comes, it's, it comes from a, it's recognition that there's, there's a designer, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, because you have these. This is what numbers actually do. I mean, this is when we talk, you know, you know, backing up here, talking about proof of a God. That's what that's what drew me to it, because I was like, OK, well, I can't trust you guys who I'm speaking to or the schmuck down the street or myself even sometimes. Right. But I can always trust number because if two plus two is always going to equal four and a True. squared plus b squared is always going to equal c squared. So when I got to a point where I was recognizing that the world was so full of uh, mysteries and lies then it's like, okay, who who do I trust? What do I trust? Well, that got into the study of what would be quote unquote sacred geometry. And that was recognizing that, oh, what is this? You know? Um, so So what do you think of people? I mean, this is kind of taking it in a different direction momentarily, but uh seeing things like pattern recognition as some sort of a proof or a telltale of of a simulation. Like this, this existence being a simulation. Well, I mean, it's like, depending on like how poetic you want to get, there's nothing, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying this world is a simulation or a, or a a dream or a, you know, an illusion in that sort of sense, though it's real to us. So in the end, it doesn't even matter, you know, because it's still real to us and that's what we have to deal with. So there's that. But um, when you talk about like pattern recognition, I always make the point that the word pattern actually comes from the word pater or patronos, which is the root of the word father. That's why you have the paternoster, which is the Lord's prayer. So when you look at, like you say, pattern recognition, you're like saying, you know, father recognition, which you don't even have to, you know, uh, attach that to anything biblical. You could just talk about father sky, mother earth kind of thing and recognizing you're talking about the celestial realms. You're talking about the heavenly realms. You know, so pattern recognizing is just recognizing what? Well, that when you see, especially, you know, patterns that can be verified, that is, right, repeatable and verifiable, because they always have to be, um, they always have to run through the protocols of science, right? Yeah. Or, um, 
Yeah, right. So um, when you see those, what you're doing is actually recognizing the design of the creation itself. It makes total sense to me. Um, I think sometimes what people, what they're mixing up maybe, and this is just complete conjecture, but calling it a simulation, I think that's an easy confusion uh, to get into when you, because it's, it's confusing to be a spiritual being in a physical body. So sometimes clunking around in, in the world of matter sort of seems like it's, you know, kind of beneath us in a way. I, I don't mean that in a, in a derogatory way necessarily, but so it seems like, you know, I think that causes some sort of confusion in people. I know it does with me because uh, it's, you know, it's a strange existence to to realize that you're more than your physical body, but yet you're sort of theoretically bound to it at the same time. Constrained by all of it, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the illusion thing is also, you know, it's like the recognition that everything down here is corruptible and temporary. Yes. So it is this sort of notion that, just like a dream it's fleeting and so there's you know that's that's another thing that i think some people are referencing there when they when they mean that but yeah i mean the as far as we know this is the thing i always said you know uh as far as we know this is the only thing that's going on in the universe right like this yeah like we there, there there's probably lots of lots of other things but you know and we can dream about that and speculate about that and conjecture all day long sure but as far as we know this is the only thing that's going on so whatever it is it's obviously important you know yeah yeah it's an interesting way of looking at it that we share the realm were you going to say something no go ahead no please do i've i've been i was just i was just going to ask you if you think that the if this is the only thing going on, do you think that there are potentially other dimensions, though? Like other dimensions of reality other than this one? Well, I mean, I don't know. That's such, I don't know. That's such a hard, because <laughs> it gets into all sorts of things. Because like, you know, when you, when you think about it, like dreams, in a sense, are another dimension of reality that's going True. on, right? Mm-hmm. Right? You know, and it really is, you know, it doesn't have to necessarily be physical, but it's definitely going on. You, you, you know, I mean, you, I'm sure you've all woken up from cold sweats from a dream or, you know, nightmares or whatever it is. So you definitely feel that. And it's definitely real to you, even though that is a dream. So that, that, that mental plane is, is definitely, um, is definitely going on. But then we could say, is that, um, are we getting into the, the, once again, the spiritual realms, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, you know, I don't know. That's a fair enough answer. <laughs> I don't know can be the most enlightening answer sometimes. Uh, yeah. Do, do, do you, I'll let you know if I find the other dimension. <laughs> please do. Send us a map if you can. If you yeah, happen yeah. to have your cartography equipment I'll get with you. you. The cheat, I'll, get you the, yeah, I'll get you the cheat code. Like yes. Warp or something. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that would go right into the simulation narrative for sure. Uh, do you think that... I mean, of course, just speculation, just asking your opinion. Do you think that one of the main tenets of Gnosticism or maybe of physical existence or being a spiritual being in a, in a physical body, for instance, is not to be tricked or misled or maybe even distracted by what seems to be absorbing most of the Western world right now is materialism? Yes, in short, Yes. I mean, I think there's one of the, one of the big challenges uh, down here is basically we're, we're presented with all of these ways that we can go against 
uh well our own interest but also you know but more importantly against the will of god against that that flow that alignment with the the natural emanations of uh of of god you know that flow through through nature you yes. know what i mean yeah um and so and i now i think it's especially within the last couple of years the the veil has come off where i think people are starting to see where it's like oh god we've been inundated with you know all of those ways against god for our entire lives you know yeah and so now you know like i've said the spell has kind of come off and so now we're going to get to see that for sure and <laughs> good luck the... to everybody yeah exactly <laughs> Yeah, and and uh, also it seems like not only has it, there been a a specific agenda to take us away from God or religion or whatever anybody wants to call that in their personal space, but uh, nature in and of itself. Whether there maybe there's no separation between those two ideas, but it seems like more, especially transhumanism. That's a, the most banal. Um, uh, example of that in in recent times to take us out of the natural uh, the natural realm the, our, the natural our our place in nature. Yeah, I don't think they're going to get away with any of that. No, because because the spell is, is come off. You know, I always thought that that I mean, even long before, God, I mean, it was sort of a gut instinct sort of thing. But I remember even long before I got into any like really conspiracies or any of that sort of stuff, I remember watching, um, what was that movie? It was about the piano player that made all of the pianos, Kurzweil. And he did that video about how he wanted to live forever. And I remember watching it and it was a long time ago. And I remember watching it and I was just thinking how sad and pathetic it was that this guy was so scared of dying that he was going to take pills every single day to try to live forever, you know? Yeah. And I realized at that point, because, you know, they, he was, he's really up on AI and that sort of stuff. I'm like, yes. even at that point, I was like, never gonna, it's never, that's not going to fly. Yeah. And so, and I chalked that up to, you know, you re, you realize, especially when you realize there's, um, well, uh, a bigger hand at play that God is, is working through this creation that God's plans are what's going to happen. You know, we either are in alignment with those or not. These people have crazy, you know, maniacal, psychopathic machinations and agendas. And, you know, it's the dreams of psychopaths, but their dreams will not manifest. And you can already see the, their spells that they've cast upon humanity for however long are breaking. And so, um, you know, I think that's all a, a pipe dream of Satanists. You know, they're and they think that they're in control, but they're not really in control. So do you think that that's part of God's plan, that that these predators have been set out onto this level of existence, this plane of existence to wake people up? Well, God, God's plan is what you can see just happening in nature, and that's an ebb and a flow. That's a high tide and a low tide. That's the waxing and the waning of the moon. That's the rising of the sun and the setting of the sun and the seasons of the year that go from hot to cold and and back again, you know? So what happens down here is obviously, and this is what, this is one of the things that actually got me into a lot of this stuff was, you know, um, the sort of like long count calendar of Maya and the, mm -hmm. 
and the, the golden age cycles, this sort of thing, that there's these sort of grander cosmic cycles that humanity and civilization undergoes. And lots of people have discussed this over time. Some of the greatest minds of all, you know, people like James Joyce and William Shakespeare and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And all the great civilizations, Hindu, Mayan, you know, have talked about grander cycles. So you talk about a grander cycle of just basically this going away from source and coming back to source going away from source and coming back to source. So what we're looking at, as far as I can tell, is us for a while going very much away from source, so much so that we don't know where we live and who we are anymore. And nobody is thinking about trying to get, you know, so many people are not concerned about getting into an afterlife. There's atheism is abound, blah, 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 blah. But I think that's that's essentially quote unquote God's plan because his plan is uh, is a design. And so, um, and that's what I mean that the the Satanist can't win because it would throw things off the eternal balance, and that's never going to happen. It just doesn't happen down here, you know. Um, it doesn't happen up there. It it just seems like it it seems like it's a gift in some ways because what I have witnessed in the past couple of years is that people who were maybe sitting on the fence with their spirituality and just with their knowledge of um, maybe some other uh, greater existence outside of their own have really st- maybe come had, and I know this sounds like a cliche, but it's true. They've had a come to Jesus moment where it's kind of like, I can't just be complacent anymore. Like I really have to be more active in my life and in my reality and maybe pay more attention and be more intentional. So in, I I kind of hesitate to say it, but I do feel like this has been a great gift. I I mean, I, I would agree. I mean, it's like, I, I guess I could say this, like, uh, has this, at least for my own, here, I'm going to get really um, self-absorbed here for a second. <laughs> just it. in my own experience in the last <laughs> 10 plus years, how much trauma there's been, how much awakening has has happened in my own life. And how much, you know, depression and looking at, you know, all the child trafficking, stuff, all that, you know, you know what comes with this, you know, would I take it back? Never. No way. Mm-hmm. You know, so in that sense, it's been a hell of a gift for me. Um, and so, yeah, I think uh, what is going on is that, yeah, humanity was um, been taken for a ride and really not being responsible for itself and that sort of thing. And now it's going to have to be. And that has to happen. And I think we've all, at least for me, I felt that way for a long time that that's needed to happen. So, and that's in in this sense, that's quote unquote God's plan. It will happen. It's just how you're going to handle it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It seems like we we live in a world that isn't right now uh, is so not. It doesn't emphasize self awareness at all, which that comes with. I think being in contact with something bigger than you and being in contact with the cycles of nature. Um, it's very outside, uh, uh, externally focused. Um, we've, uh, sort of farmed out our critical thinking, our life skills, our, um, ways of treating ourselves medically, psychologically, spiritually to all of these institutions that I think slowly, but surely, especially within the last couple of years, we're finding out aren't motivated by the most altruistic of things. They're motivated by money and greed and power. And uh, I think 
Yeah, I, I, I'm just hoping, I really am optimistic. I think that all of this is leading to a good place. We might have some more rough spots, um, perhaps rougher than we've even experienced in the last couple of years to, to navigate. But I think we're heading in the right direction as much as it doesn't seem like it some days. I think we're, we're doing exactly what we need to be doing. Yeah. I just think that there's been a ton of like, I think, uh, you know, I'm totally in agreement with you. And what you were said, said earlier, just about, you know, um, I think there's a ton of good that's come from it. You know, there's, there's a ton of people that have gotten, I mean, ourselves included have gotten back to, you know, homesteading, living more simply, Mm -hmm. you know, turning off all this nonsense, you know, taking their own spiritual, um, you know, you know, whatever, picking themselves up from their bootstraps spiritually and, and taking care of business. And that's, uh, I think that's amazing. So, um, yeah. And I, I mean, I feel really blessed to be a part of it too, like helping people along with that journey. For sure. Well, one thing I, I think that has happened with the the move towards atheism is the bastardization of God. So there's a separate, there's a bifurcation that has been necessary, which is religion and the organization of religion, which I think many people are suspicious of because there are some nefarious bad actors in religion. And then there is what this, this omni, this omnipotent energy that is God. So I think that that's the, the delineation that many people have had to kind of understand is that God is not bad. Maybe the organization that uses God as uh, the umbrella to hide under to do these nefarious acts, they there's some bad actors in there. But when you go, I'm, you know, the one thing that, that Chris and I, have always said, you know, since we've been together is like going to church is going into nature. It's going into the woods. It's going, it's touching the earth. Like those, those are the things that I think have really come to light and come to surface is that I don't need to go into a building to worship God. I can do that by my actions and by my relationship with this planet what are your thoughts about that? Well, it's it's like sort of like the the feeling of the Reformation kind of thing, which is essentially like Renaissance rebirth. That that where they got this notion that at least in in you know in this sort of metaphor, you know, it's like oh well, we we can read the Bible. We don't need to go through the intermediary of the church and the the, the priest to t- you know for them to tell me what this means. Now we can read it, actually analyze it ourselves, and go in and have that experience. And so. That notion right there, which once again, I understood through Gnosticism, you know, because that's really what it was, was a personal experience. And so that doesn't require any uh, tradition or it doesn't require a building or an organization or a liturgy or any of that sort of stuff. Um, And in fact, that's one of the things I think Christ is actually saying, not what I think. I mean, this is what I teach that Christ is specifically saying Uh, When he talks about building his church, 
people think that that's somehow like the Orthodox church or is whatever, right. you know, um, but no, the church that's actually, he's talking about is literally everywhere and everything, meaning mm-hmm. wherever you place your two feet on the cold, hard ground is, is a, a fit place to worship God in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the totality of, of the church of Christ that, you know, in, in, in my opinion and what he's actually saying in scripture there. So, um, so yeah. Uh, I think that's what, I think that's what true spiritual spirituality is all about. That's very powerful. I got chills when you were saying that <laughs> because I've, I've res- that resonates with me. Like I, I don't believe that, uh, you have to have this communal experience to be relating to Jesus Christ. I do believe Jesus Christ was a human being and an enlightened being and that he did walk this earth. And so for me, that's really a foundational thing that is so private and it's such a personal uh, experience that I have that going how, how I've kind of joked about it is, um, going to a church is like masturbating on the subway. It's just something I wouldn't do because I don't need, I don't need an audience. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, that said, I, I agree with you too, because I've never, I, I mean, uh, I always was like, you know, like you were saying, I went to nature, took long hikes, that sort of stuff. Now I spend a lot of time focused on, you know, preparing live streams and that sort of thing. So I'm constantly in it and writing books and that sort of thing. But um, yeah, uh, the the nature the nature thing is a big one because it's sort of the place where you can go and uh, be with yourself alone in your thoughts when the sort of the untouched world. And um, yeah, and I, I think it's just an amazing thing. Um, that said... I think there's a place for a church too. Like I would love to have a physical church, but that's, you know, uh, but I mean, a lot of times if you really want to have a spiritual experience, it's going to be going in to the closet and shutting the door as, Mm -hmm. as scripture says, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's between you and God. Mm -hmm. It's not between you and God and Jimbo down the street and, you know, Chuck and Lucy over there. You know what I mean? That's all important too. Don't get me wrong, but ultimately it's about, it is about you. you For sure. For sure. I'm going to take a wild stab and assume that at some point in your life, you've done psychedelics. Um, so Very much so. Okay. <laughs> Do you think that something, an endeavor like that, and of course intention makes all the difference in the world, but do you think it has any place in the kinds of things that we're talking about? Or do you think that that's a separate endeavor altogether? That's more of a self-exploratory, self-expansive sort of a, uh, an undertaking, or do you think it's could be something uh, to bring you closer to creation and, and God? Well, I think they're tool. I mean, cause the, uh, you know, God created them, you know, sure. so yeah. they obviously have a purpose. They serve a purpose. So I think that they can be powerful tools. Um, especially getting just getting somebody that might be stuck in a mindset to just get out of that sort of mindset and see things bigger, you know, break, it helps break down a few walls, you know? Sure. Um, and I think it can absolutely, absolutely be used in a context of, uh, like a ritual kind of thing, you know, um, and should be really, um, you know, uh, but you know, that said, 
I, if there's a lot of people that focus on them specifically, like that becomes their spiritual experience. And that's, I, I shy away from that because Mm -hmm. it's like, then you're relying on something external in order to have that internal experience. Sure. And really you want to, you know, there has to be a sort of own natural thing to it. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's just a, it's a important to realize that it's a tool in your toolbox and not the main thing. It's not the center Yes, but they've been helpful for me. I mean, for sure. You know, um, there's been several times where I've had very, very absolutely profound, in that sense, life-changing experiences. But I've had life-changing experiences reading a book, too. Sure. So, you know, take that, you know what I mean? Take that for what it is. But Yeah, I think even Terrence McKenna at one time said that at the beginning of most religions, there were there was some experience with some sort of a plant or substance, natural substance that either uh, sort of got that wheel going or helped the, the wheel that was already spinning to start spinning even quicker. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that people of the past used these as, as sacraments and that sort of thing. Um, once again, I mean, I think if you're a responsible adult and just recognize nature for what it is, God's pharmacopoeia, then you go into those things and you say, oh, those have those definitely serve a purpose and um, for a, a, a spiritual exercise. Yeah, like mushrooms, that sort of thing. Absolutely. Um, and it does change people's lives. I mean, look at the ayahuasca thing. There's just no doubt, you know. For sure. I don't know if you saw that comedian. Oh, what's his name? Oh, never mind. I'm going to go off on a diatribe. Duncan Trussell. <laughs> no, it was uh, what's his name? Oh, Ron White. Do you know that guy? He's yes. Like a guy, yes, yes, yes. Vegas, right? Yeah. Like heavy drinker for years, right? Like scotch, you know, starting, yeah. you know, drinking at 2.30 in the afternoon his whole life, smoking cigars. Yeah. Um, he took, he wanted to quit drinking. He took ayahuasca and he stopped. So, oh, wow. I mean, yeah, Amazing. you know. And he looks great. And this is a guy that was a severe alcoholic, right? I mean, this is a guy that had, you know, more alcohol running through his, his veins than blood kind of thing, so. <laughs> That's amazing. I didn't know he stopped drinking. That's so, that's, that's a huge pivot right there. Yeah. And he's known for it too. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is a, that's the other thing about, you know, what happens in so many people's lives is that they build an image about themselves. And then when that image needs to be destroyed because it's fake, a lot of times people have problems destroying that. So for him to do that, being like, you know, he's the comic that's known for having the drink on stage. And Mm -hmm. then he, you know, that's death and resurrection. Right yeah, there. yeah, exactly. Did he put out a, a stand-up special like after that happened or explaining about all of that? I think he's, I think he probably will, but I just saw him, I don't know, just shuffling through YouTube. I just saw him on some, one of those channels oh, Okay, and I listened to yeah, 20 minutes or something. I was like, oh, no way. So, so it just happened recently. But, yeah. I think within the last year maybe or something. Interesting. So. Crazy. That's cool. That's really cool. I love to hear stories like that. What are your thoughts on Jesus? Well, do you do you think that Jesus was a man that that walked this earth? Um, you know, I just learned a word. I just learned a word. I'm going to share with you guys. <laughs> it's called uh, euhemerism. I think is what it is. And it's basically this. I, let me see if I have. Give me a second. I want to see if I can find this. Yeah, it's let me read this. Um 
The stories recorded of Jesus in the New Testament are a product of euhemerism, which is the notion that real historical personages and events have been exaggerated in the retelling, as well as cataracterism, which is the process of transforming a hero or mythological figure into a star. So, you know, it's basically the, you know, you we can imagine that the, I go on here, it says, you can imagine that many of the events happening in the Bible were based on aspects of lived history, retold, dramatized, and blueprinted on the heavenly patterns that God has written above us in the stars, because um, I think that's actually what's going on. Um, but yeah, I mean, a, a lot of great literature is actually based on real personages or whatever, people that have been mythologized, dramatized, anthropomorphized, that sort of stuff, poeticized, you know. Um, that said, you can't prove whether any of the people in the Bible existed at all. There's, there's, You can't prove any of it. Um, so, you know, I, my belief is that probably none of them were real. Mm. But at the same time, I, I, I do feel that, um, you know, when you look at all the great classic works of literature, a lot of the characters have been based on uh, real people. And so that I don't, I don't, uh, I don't know. I don't take a hard stance to it, but I know what in the, in the book uh, who were presented Jesus Christ, what that, you know, what that means, you know, because mm -hmm. that's the living presence of God that's in everything. Mm. And so that's not a archetype or a prototype or a, you know, <laughs> you know, it's uh, something that's really transcendental. Uh, so that's a long answer. Sorry. It's it's interesting if you consider Jesus Christ as an archetype, then you look at these other religions, and there are similar archetypes in other religions, like um, the Islam, um, like Buddhism. So it is possible that uh, the mythos surrounding Jesus Christ or the the living Buddha is similar because these were necessary stories to be told to impart certain knowledge. Like it had to be humanized in order to, for, for people to be able to absorb or accept these teachings. Yes. The general framework of all of those, what you could call like a, the sun God myth or the archetypal sun God, or sometimes they're not sun gods, but they're hero figures, whatever you want to say, right. Savior kind of figures. Mm -hmm. Those are, I mean, they're to me, that entire storyline is line is something that's actually like crafted into the framework of nature itself. And hence why they're, you know, whenever you see these cultures that have gotten to some sort of advanced level, they're modeling these classic myths after something that's literally embedded in the framework of nature. That's why you have, you know, uh, so many of these, especially once again, you get once you get into like the mystery traditions and stuff like that, the mm -hmm. death and resurrection motif. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just ridiculous where right? you'll see it everywhere. And you get to a point where it's like, well, where is that? Well, it's in nature. It's all over. You know, that nature itself essentially does this, you know, it's that's the pattern of the sun. It's what the sun does every day and every year. It, you know, goes through the cycle of metaphorically dying and being reborn. And so all of the hero myths and stories are based on these eternalities that play out within the creation itself. So, um, you know, when you get back to this idea that they're they're based on a science, that there's a science underneath there, it's, you know, that's what we're that's what we're saying, you know, when these things are based on cycles of the you know the patterns of the sun or the moon or that sort of thing it's like you know this is the the root of all of these things and hence why you what as what you're saying you can find so many commonalities 
they're they're endless. You mm-hmm. know, you do com- an honest search of comparative mythology, cross cultural study, and the amount of connects connections you can make between them, as opposed to the divisions, is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You know, if you just allow yourself to like, you know, take those blinders off. That's why I love you know Joseph I mean? Campbell. So, I, I love Joseph Campbell's work and the power of myth and the hero's journey and his his exploration of all of these archetypes. It, it's just really beautiful. I don't know if you've ever seen this series with Bill Moyers, but he's such a font of information when it comes to connecting all of these dots. And this is the thing that's like so powerful to me because when you realize that you know the the Horus the Horus story in Egypt is is a recapitulation or retelling or a reflection of the story of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. That both of these cultures were coming to these same eternal transcendental universal truths. It's then you realize it's like okay, well, and this is how we teach. This is how I teach um, Christianity through the church in this sort of way. Once again, it's like a uh, the Prisca Theologia as understood through Christianity. It connects you to all of those cultures. Mm -hmm. As opposed to saying, well, I'm a Christian. We don't mess around with any of that Egyptology nonsense, blah, 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 blah. You know, Mm -hmm. or we don't touch this alchemy kind of stuff over here. It's like, well, what it does instead of makes it, it, it takes, it tears down those divisions and those dividers and actually finds the golden thread through all of them. And in this sense really connects you to your ancestors, Mm -hmm. you know, in a, in a sort of like native American way. Mm -hmm. Cause it's like, these are the same people that came to these grand truths. They're, you know, the saints of old. So when you get to, when you get to that understanding of it, it's, uh, Oh, to me, that's pretty powerful as opposed to saying, well, we got the one right true way over here in Catholic land or Protestant world or whatever, you know? Yeah. It, it, it suddenly becomes more about geography than it does about the, the actual story. You realize, Oh, these stories are based on, uh, a lineage and, they are all leading to the same, they do intersect and they are all leading to the same place. Yeah. I mean, the, what, what all of the things, as far as I can tell, what they're doing is leading to timeless information, right? So, so it doesn't matter where, once again, like where you lived, when, when you lived or what language you spoke or what race you were, or what color, any of that stuff. The, the the base of information that's behind these books is actually transcends all of that, but it's, and it's the same base of information that also unites everybody. It's the, pro, it's the property of everybody and no one mm-hmm. kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And that goes from everything from the supernatural number system that we have available to us all the time to the canopy of stars above our head to, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so that's what they're, they're trying to get you to understand is, you know, and that this is when you get to um, like, you know, Jesus is known as the second Adam, right? So you have this first Adam that was born of the earth earthy. And then the second Adam was born of a quickening spirit. He was, it's known as this Adam secundus, right? Mm-hmm. Well, this is a reference to the Adam Cadmon. This, this Adam Cadmon is this prototypical first human figure that was of the divine emanation of God. It was the image of God. And this is uh, this prototypical human being is what we all aspire to because it's the perfect man, right? Well, this being is, is, you know, this is what you, this is your, you know, mercurial being in alchemy. This is your, you know, you can go on and on and on. And this is what they're referencing is this perfected man. And so 
that's something that transcends any religion or any sect or denomination or belief system. It's just something that's once again, inherent or innate within the creation itself. If many of the, well, I mean, it's not if, but since there are many of these same uh, obvious truths that are encoded in, in many, many different religions and mythologies, what, was it about Christianity that drew you to it, that made you focus on that one and and um, gave it the feeling that that was the path that you should be taking? Uh, just my own personal relationship to it, my family background, where I grew up, um, the fact that I speak English and that there's, I, there's this, um, that's one of the things I need to start talking a lot more about the the very strong connection to the king james bible and english that that languages are actually um they're best understood when they're tied to the the main religion and so when we talk about english it would definitely be um christianity that's a whole nother discussion but um it, you know i guess in the same way it's like i grew up listening to rock music and blues and folk music. And so then I became a blues rock folk player, sure. you know, but I'm still playing music. But if I would have grew up, you know, jazz or something, you know, whatever, something else, you know, mariachi, whatever kind of band, then I would go play music through that avenue. Mm -hmm. So it's just to me, once again, it's um, Christianity in this sense is just one of those um, systems to talk about the Prisca Theologia. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that makes sense. Uh, so do you believe, I'm, I'm fascinated by this concept, and I'm asking these questions as somebody that is not, I don't call myself a Christian. Um, I don't have any resistance to Christianity. Uh, I just am still collecting experiences and concepts, and I'm listening to where people are coming from, and just, I'm still sort of ambiguous about all of it. But He's, he's Christian curious. <laughs> well, I'm in this strange place. It seems like the society either you're either an atheist or you're a Christian or a Muslim or whatever, but I'm not an atheist, but I don't specifically have a particular religion or cosmology that I adhere to. And so I just kind of float around. But anyway, uh, there's this concept of a personal God that I am very fascinated with, and it seems to have been, and I could be completely wrong, and please correct me if I am, a fairly recent sort of, uh, uh, I don't want to say invention, but phenomenon where you hear people saying that they have, you know, they wake up in the morning, they pray, and they have conversations with God, and God directs them in a particular way or gives them advice or you know, steers them away or towards things. Do you experience things like that? And if so, do you think that that is a different experience than, say, people in the Bible had when they were dealing with God? Yeah, I'm not really for that because I don't think God speaks to you like the way people say he does. Okay, You know, God speaks to you, but in the way that God speaks to you because mm -hmm. God— you know, like God doesn't just come down like, you know, a little bird on your shoulder and be like, you know, chirping to your, <laughs> you know, about, you know what, what to do today. You know, it's like the, I don't, uh, that whole personal God thing, yeah, is is pretty disturbing because it's really, um, you know, it's like, 
I I don't know. Um, I don't Just even know it. where to go with that because Just I, go I, I don't. You I don't that was thing. That was one thing that always disturbed me about when I was younger about Christianity because that was pretty prevalent where I grew up and you know the Midwest is this idea is like I pray to God and He told me to do this. Yes. Like yeah. He literally talked to you and said to do this in mm-hmm. English, really. Wait, so like if if he did, like why didn't you write this shit down? Like Moses, <laughs> Moses spoke to God once, and he like, you know, like what's going on here? Are you going to write a book? Is this just for you? The Book of anyway, Josh. There's loads of problems. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like, the Book of Charlie. God's speaking to you every day, and you're not writing this. Yeah, like yeah, so. Anyway. Well, uh, that's a relief. In fact, I just did a. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, the last live stream about the notion of like how God speaks, and that's through symbols, you know, through uh, really meaning through you know, symbolism, um, because it gets into once again those transcendentals and universals that that whole topic. So, um, but as far as like a personal God, there is the idea of a personal God, meaning that there's um, in the sense that you have a, a, an ounce or a spark of God within you that, that is, that has been, you know, given to, given to you, it's, it's yours and your body. Right. Um, and that is directly connected to God. Um, and so there's that, and that's a whole phenomenon of, um, that's, it's the Lord and the God actually in the Bible. It's a, it's a really key thing that most people don't understand in order to really read the Bible esoterically, but you have to understand these terms of Lord and God, that God is, the like totality almighty in heaven and earth is the spark or the ounce of God, uh, excuse me, Lord is uh, the, the spark or the ounce of God that's with within you on earth. And so that's a, you know, that's your quote unquote personal, personal God, you know? Sure. sure. But yeah, I don't, I don't dig the hole. Okay, good. <laughs> I mean, yeah. not good. Like, thank goodness. I, I just feel sometimes. No, I, I go ahead. No, no, I was, I'm just agreeing with you. (laughs) I know what you mean. (laughs) Yes. I I just sometimes, you know, it's like channeling, you know, like how do you know who you're channeling? If you're channeling, if you should take some medication and (laughs) I don't believe in medication, but I think you, you know what I'm getting at. It's just, it's a nebulous area. Um, It seems like it would be, well, go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. Well, you know, and it wouldn't be nebulous if if you could extract something out of it. Like, you know, if you could, I'm, you know, I think people have had experiences with. I mean, I've had experiences of, with God, where I think I've extracted things out of that experience. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. Um, but it has to be something that is, you know, once again, it's just like the psychedelic experience. People can go into the psychedelic experience and have these absolutely fantastical, amazing things and insights and stuff like that. Okay, great. But what did you bring out of it is what can you show me after that? And what what's provable? What's verifiable? What's that sort of thing? Those are when, you know, that's when, when you have that. That's when you get real insights and real discoveries and inventions and things like that in the world, you know, um, that that elevate humanity. Um, so I think those things can happen between, quote unquote, a conversation with with God or that sort of thing. But um, once again, it's got to be something that is. Uh, uh, verifiable, you know. Well, where can people find you and your work and your and watch your sermons or tune in live to them? 
uh, gnosticacademy.org. That's the best place. Okay. From there, you know, like I'm on Rockfin and I'm on Rumble now. I think I'm going to get on BitChute here and Odyssey and all those other places. But I stream from YouTube and Rockfin every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. And we do Sunday service. And it's a good crowd. Everybody there is super cool. We've really cultivated a good group of people that show up and support. And it's cool. It's like, you know, if you really are looking for sort of a a church service, but don't want to actually go to church because, you know, the problems with church, uh, it's a it's a good place to go. And it's a good place to uh, get introduced to a lot of these ideas um, Fantastic. that I think a lot of people should be introduced to. That's what? why I'm doing it, right? And, yeah, yeah. And what time did you say that was on Sundays? 9 a.m. Central Standard Time. Cool. 9 a.m. sharp. We go. So, And I try to do about an hour and a half, like two, but, you know. So I try to keep it somewhat short, even though it's two hours, but, you know, because I like to respect people's time. So, Fantastic. Well, we are in our same time zone, so we will definitely tune in. Uh, it sounds like we, you brought up your last one uh, more than once during the chat, and so it looks like we're going to have to review that one um, and check it out. That might be a good starting place, and then we'll tune in live the next time. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you again so much, Marty. It's been fantastic, and uh, I'm I'm hoping we can do it some sometime down the line. For sure. Yeah. Thanks for the invite, and uh, yeah, be well. Yeah. Likewise. Enjoy Kansas. Thank you. <laughs> Have a good rest of your evening. All right. You too. All right. Thanks. Take care, brother. Good golly, Miss Molly. Well, hello there. Hi. You come here often? <laughs> I do, actually. <laughs> I do, too. I thought you looked familiar. Oh, oh, man, that was good. It was really good. Yeah. I feel like we ended on a, a good note, too. Absolutely. Lots of Lots of good, good information there from Marty. Yeah. Um, I feel like uh, it's good to, as I said in the chat, um, I, I don't consider myself a Christian uh, I personally think that there's so many things to choose from in this realm that I have a hard time settling on one. I think Buddhism would probably be the closest I could come, but that's a philosophy and not a religion, so doesn't really count. Um, so I am fascinated to be able to pick the brain of somebody, not only somebody who is into Christianity the way that the way that Marty is, but He's got uh, a foundation of so many other things that I have been interested in for a long time. So fascinating on many levels. Yeah. And I think, again, you know, when you look at at all of these different belief systems, they all tend to point in the same direction. And Christianity and Buddhism are very much aligned with each other. Uh, as other religions and other philosophies and other systems of thought are. So I think, you know, as we were talking about, geography has a lot to do with it. And I, I really kind of leaned on Joseph Campbell and his Power of Myth series uh, to to use that as a learning tool to understand all of these different uh, perspectives and histories and how they are all connected. And I think that's really important that when you see um, religion in that way or you see um, spirituality in that way, 
there's almost something reassuring about it because then you realize, okay, well, I can study Christianity, but that doesn't cut me off from other people. It can be a uniter and not a divider. I agree with that. I Ideally, uh, I have seen it uh, happen other ways too, um, where some people get into Christianity and um, they stop thinking about other stuff, um, yeah. or they feel the need to denounce everything that they were into before that time. Yeah, and I think that that can be very limiting. I find that a big turnoff myself. But right, but you don't have to use that as your. Your journey. I certainly, yeah, I don't, I don't use it and I don't relate to it on any level. Exactly. Um, Neither do I, because I think that's an easy thing to be, uh, to use uh, religion as a weapon. Not only that, but I think a, a system, any system that starts pointing at things uh, and, and um, is being judgmental towards them unfounded, uh, in an unfounded way, just because <clears throat> they might not be mentioned in the scripture or the canonical text of that particular religion, I think I find that very limiting too, because in the case of Christianity, where sometimes I've seen people denounce other things that have been around a lot longer than Christianity, um, or things that don't have anything to even do with any religion, much less aren't against Christianity to denounce these things sounds like just hyper superstition to me. And I just think that that's very dogmatic. And I think that's what turns a lot of people away from Christianity. Yeah. But you don't have to use those people aren't representatives of Christianity. They're representing their, their own belief system and how they are interpreting something. They, they are not Christianity. That is something that, as we said in the discussion, it's something that God is a very personal um, relationship. It has nothing to do with anyone else. And so I think that's what's turned you off is that there, there are people that you have um, had encounters with that seem like they are, are representatives and they're not. No, those people turn me off. I know yeah. for, yeah. I know very well, very much know that they're not representatives. Yeah, that's exactly. what, that's what disconcerts me is because those are the people who feel like they are the most representative. Yeah. That's what yeah. I'm talking about. I yeah. know that those, yeah, I know, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about for sure. They don't represent shit except yeah. their own fears and insecurities. And, e and ego, that's someone's ego. Yeah. And I think it's okay to denounce Satanism and it's okay to That's denounce um, the dark arts and people that are doing ritual sacrifices and murdering children. It's okay to denounce that. And I think we should denounce um, those energies and, and that kind of a negative perspective of the human experience. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I think so too. Those are founded. I was talking about unfounded things. And yeah. I think that witchcraft in and of itself is not a negative thing. Just like I don't think paganism in and of itself is, is a negative thing. People equate those things with devil worship. And I think that's a knee jerk reaction. They can include that for sure. And sometimes those things very much go hand in hand, but they 
can also be very much exclusive of that. So, yeah, I think a lot of things get lumped into new age and uh, there's a lot of stuff that's in new age that is actually really, really old. It's actually, some of it is older than Christianity, but anyway, I don't want to get lost in all that. I just was trying to say that that's another reason why I appreciated talking with Marty is because he's not one of those people and he's very, very open-minded and he's not afraid to say things like 666 is not actually an evil number. It's, you know, it's because of this and that and that and that. He's, you know, he has a very broad uh, spectrum of a uh, uh, view on all this stuff. He can see it from a historical point of view, but he can also see it from where he, what all the things that he was interested in that led him up to this, and also see the connections between all of those things. And doesn't have knee-jerk reactions to many of the things that I've seen some yeah. People who call them Christians do have knee-jerk right. reactions too. But he does he does recognize wickedness and he does and he does recognize evil intentions and evil sure. spirit and I think that's a really important uh part of all of this is that no everything is not binary but there is some definite negative force and negative energy that exists in this realm. And there's also a positive energy and a positive force that uh, exists in this realm. And for me, it all goes down. Like, again, I think it, it really come. you can distill it down to your intentions and what your energy is. So, it's like a pen. Is a pen an evil device or is it a good device? Well, it can be used for evil and it can be used for good. You know, I, I think it, it's all contingent on what you, how are you, how you are, what you are aligning with. So I'm not going to get a swastika tattooed on my forehead. I'm not going to get 666 tattooed on my arm. It's not because I think those numbers are evil. I think that nefarious and evil energies have used those um, numbers and use those symbols. And I don't want to align myself with those nefarious and evil energies do I think that it's possible that you can align yourself with a positive um, segment of those symbols? Absolutely. But I, I don't want to leave myself open is what I'm saying. Okay. I understand that for sure. Uh, I think that there are ways that one doesn't have to leave themselves open. That's something that we didn't address in all of this too mm -hmm. in the second part of the conversation that was behind the paywall which we won't go into in that much detail no. but um i think that there are ways to, that you can um uh protect yourself from mm -hmm. things like that uh yeah. anyway yeah it seems like a silly thing to do if you're going to wear a, some an upside down cross on your on your workout gear. and uh, <laughs> But I don't want to invite anything negative because I'm just trying to shock people. So I'm going to do some protective, I'm going to wear this protective amulet on top of that. <laughs> and then in case the protective amulet is misinterpreted, I'm going to do, uh, 
a fifth dimensional chant. I'm going to douse myself with, I'm going to do a sage enema. Uh, oh, whoa. Wow. Hello. <laughs> anyway, yes, it was, it was refreshing. And there, there are many different avenues we could have gone down. Yeah. That was a good get to know Marty chat for yeah. sure. I, I think what, what was hard, where it was hard for me to kind of dive into the Marty ocean was that we didn't see him. Yeah. And so I'm such a visual person and I do so well when, even though we don't, we don't post our visual, um, our video interview or this, the video portion of our interviews, I like to look at the person that I'm talking to. I like to be able to read um, body language. And so it was tough for me. Like I really had to kind of go inside to hop into the Marty boat. And so it took me a minute to kind of get there, but I'm so glad that we did. Yeah. I always feel like I'm talking to somebody in the Antarctic or something like, how's the weather there? Yeah. Um, Anyway, uh, we, I do plan on remedying that. I want to start releasing video versions of all of our interviews. I'm just trying to, I'm a perfectionist. So yeah. I've spent a lot of time trying to get this podcast to sound as good as I possibly can. And I spend time actually trying to make it something that's worth your time listening to. Yeah. So I want to do the same thing visually also. I don't want to just slap it together. That's why we really haven't. Um, done any sort of live streaming on YouTube or anything like that, but we're talking about changing that too, and mm-hmm. maybe just doing a different, a different kind of melt uh, episode, yeah. and just do it live and have people have it be more interactive and stuff like that. So stay tuned for that. And if you have any ideas as to topics, um, please let us know. Um, well, and we're super hot too, and we need true. to share our hotness with the world. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I think that, you know, you could just watch it with the sound off, uh, really. <laughs> uh, what are some things that we talked about in the second hour? Um, some some personal stuff. We talked uh, about uh, humorism. Oh, did it. We talked about his next book, which is Scripture in the Stars. We talked about GnosticAcademy.org uh, and that he does Sunday services, 9 a.m. Central Standard well, Time. The idea is to leave it a mystery so people won't want to go behind the paywall. Well, Don't that's... Give all the goods. I didn't say this one because <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to say that. I wrote it down and I don't know if I, I even spelled my, it correctly. Oh, yeah, I have no idea what that is. I don't even remember him saying that word. He said it after he said that word. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to say that word either. Yeah. Well, I wrote it phonetically, so it's either humorism and cataraticism, cataracism. Yes. Yeah, it's one of those things, one of those words. Don't, don't Google it. Don't use we Google. Went into the flat Earth realm. Um, yeah. had, how that may or may not connect to his Christianity. We discussed symbols. Do they possess any power in and of themselves? We had a wicked thumb wrestling match. We had a rap battle. Um, talked about <laughs> genealogy in the Bible. Um, the importance of that or not. So yeah, yeah some good stuff. Yeah. Um, and it was a you know 
the great conversation uh, in the first hour too. So hopefully you enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, we if did. You, if you did, write Marty, get contact him and let him know. And so he'll want to come back. Um, but if you have any recommendations for guests or casserole recipes or praises or criticism, you can contact us at the melt podcast at protonmail.com. Or if you want to send me a virtual hug, you can do that at hunter-muse at protonmail.com. Yeah. I uh, hope you glean something positive. Um, I highly suggest uh, going behind Marty's paywall. It's only $5 a month, and he has a shitload of things to offer. So many downloadable PDF books, literally a whole library. Uh I think you can read all of his books there. All of his uh, documentaries are there. Tons of videos, all of his Sunday sermons, much more stuff than, than is on his YouTube channel. So highly suggest that. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, hope you got something good out of it. And stay tuned for fantastic stuff. December is chock full of incredible people. And we're already starting to book into next January. So looking good for the melt. Fact. <laughs> All right. We love you. We do love you. Take care. Spread joy. Remember yourself. And don't go changing. That's right. And happy Thanksgiving. Yes. Ta ta. Now. To hear the full length version of this episode, get access to exclusive and early episodes, and participate in our monthly Zoom meetups for as little as $3 per month. Just click the Patreon link in the episode notes or visit patreon.com slash themeltpodcast. Contributing financially will help to make this podcast my full-time gig that I can devote more time to and allow me to create more content. Other ways of contributing would be giving us a favorable review or rating wherever you get your podcasts, subscribing to us on YouTube, spreading the word wherever you and your tribe congregate, or just by sending us your positive thoughts and intentions. In a quantumly intertwined and holographic multiverse, these also go a long way. Thank you.